Well, welcome, friends. We are so glad to have you with us for another episode of The Collective Podcast, where we strive to serve the church and bless the city. Each episode is going to encourage us through highlighting beautifully ordinary women living extraordinary lives of faithfulness. These women come from all areas of life, all ages, stages, and places, and I hope that the lives of these women challenge us to be all God has created us to be, and I hope it calls us toward our next step of faithfulness, our next best yes. I'm your host, Callie Nixon, and joining me today is my lovely co-host, Holly Carpenter. Holly, how are you? I'm great, Callie. It's good to see you. Glad to be here. So glad you're here. And Holly, today's really important because we're going to be talking about something that probably no one can relate to and probably no one's struggling with. Not one person. Yes. Do you hear the facetiousness in my <laughs> voice? So many people are struggling with this right now, you guys. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And as we just think about kind of where we find ourselves, we're amidst still this global pandemic that I don't know about you guys, but I bought into the like non-factual science that like man once the summer comes and it just gets hot <laughs> that coronavirus just gonna burn off and that did not happen that did not happen um so we're still full out in the midst of that wondering what in the world we're gonna do with school and jobs reopening and that's a lot and then you add on top of that we're still walking through um kind of upside down economic markets we're walking through just the unsettling um, racial tensions and prejudices that our country has and has had for the last 400 years and just some poor practices that we've put in as a nation that we're needing to really back up from and repent from. If you guys did not catch our episode last time with Elizabeth Hoffman talking about how we can affect change um, amongst racial tensions right now, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that because that was really powerful and really helpful. And I don't know about you all, but Holly, I was watching Disney Junior with my kids the other week. And Me too. I love that channel. Were you watching Disney Junior? No, I wasn't. You missed it. <laughs> well, you didn't miss this part because this commercial comes on. It's this mom and their daughter, and they're like dancing, and and it's like a commercial. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is what they're saying. And it said, "Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy." Mm. And I was like, "Twenty twenty, get out of my kids' commercial, <laughs> Disney Junior." And I'm not, guys. Don't hear me say, don't walk away saying Kelly doesn't care about us being healthy. I do care. But I think all of these things pulled together are just piling on top of us that we were not meant to handle all this stress at one time. And there was even an article in the Washington Post that said that over 50% of the population is experiencing anxiety and mental health issues as a result of the coronavirus. Wow. And so this is this is rampant. And the issue of anxiety is really huge. And so the heart of the collective podcast has been that we want to highlight beautifully ordinary women living extraordinary lives of faithfulness and we want to take their stories and allow the Lord to use their vulnerability and their transparency just to teach us as we walk through this and so whether you've never struggled with anxiety in your life whether you're affronted with it for the first time or if this has been a part of your story for a long time this episode is going to be really helpful to you and today's guest is going to be an incredible blessing to you. And so we asked this gal because we want to talk through this heavy issue with someone that we really trust and with someone who can speak to it from a heart of true empathy and understanding. And so that is why we have asked my good friend, Karen Henson, to come and talk to us today. Karen, thank you for being here 
Man, thanks for having me. I what feel so honored. Intro. I, I even tell had more like, things that I was going to say, but I <laughs> you're it now. Yeah. Holding hey, back. I'm really glad you're here because um, the Lord's taught me so much through our friendship. And the Lord, I think, has a lot to teach the women today through just you sharing parts of your story. And so before we get too far into your story, will you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are, kind of a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, like she said, my name's Karen. I actually work here at Watermark on staff, uh, splitting time between a couple of different teams, but my primary job is just writing. I write a lot of curriculum and so sit in a room by myself with a lot of books and a computer. What a dream. <laughs> I'm done with the people I'm sitting at at this table, they probably think that is their form of prison. It but does sound a little <laughs> bit like torture. I would love that. Can I join you someday? Um, you absolutely. would, really? Yes. Uh, yeah. So I help with our women's Bible studies. I do an equipping podcast. Um, yeah, just lots of different things, but mostly writing about the Bible. Yeah, guys, if also another shameless plug. If you have not gone already and checked out Watermark's Equipping Podcast, we interview so many brilliant people. Every time I go and listen to that podcast, I'm Googling new words. Pretty <laughs> Girl, me too, that. but during the podcast yeah. as they're talking. If you hear typing, yeah. Karen it's looking me. at the definition like, of a word. What did he just say? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so you got to check that out. Yeah. Okay, well, hey, let's jump into it. I'm so excited to hear just from your perspective, from your story, from your time in God's Word, how you have just been informed on the topic of fear and anxiety. And so really just want to start with the fact that it has been apparent that conversations around fear, anxiety, depression, mental health have been far more common today, especially through all of the things that Callie just listed, but even just 2020 in general, they've been so common in different conversations, but we know that it was there before 2020. And so Karen, what I want to know from you is, has this been a topic that you have talked about with women in your ministry? Has it increased in conversations with women or does it still seem like a taboo topic of conversation? Mm, That's a good question. I think Probably even over the last couple of years, it's becoming more common, even sitting in on small groups with women, Mm -hmm. uh, talking through Bible studies or things of that nature. It comes up consistently. And Mm -hmm. I think people are getting uh, more comfortable talking about it and realizing, oh, I'm not the I'm not the only one. Oh, you. Oh, and you Mm -hmm. struggle and Mm -hmm. you struggle. And so I think as people talk about it more, it is becoming less taboo and it's becoming sadly just a part of the world that we live in now. Yeah. So knowing that, are there, as you've had those conversations, are there any stigmas from Christian culture or just the culture of the church globally that have been around this topic of anxiety? And have you seen any ways that we can start removing some of those? Oh, I'm goodness. (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) This is the whole podcast now. (laughs) Um, Yes. So many. Uh, I think... Gosh, as somebody who struggled with lifelong fear and anxiety coming into any kind of church setting, typically the message that you get on the topic is, well, you're not trusting God enough. Mm-hmm. You're Like, trust God more. Right. And <laughs> I'm sitting there going, excuse me? Like, they're like, I, I'm doing what I can. I'm taking this to him. And like, it's not going away. I feel like Paul in Second Corinthians of like, mm-hmm. hey, I've asked. Mm-hmm. I've asked for this to go away. And it's not. And the funny thing is the fear and anxiety is driving me to trust God more. Mm -hmm. And so that's a constant message. I think the other one that I consistently hear is that it's rooted back to like a pride issue. Like I've been told so many times, well, just think about yourself less. 
like just think of other people more in situations where you're anxious I'm like uh, I mean I hear you and there's probably some pride there that's going on but mm-hmm. I think this is a bigger issue and it, it's uh, for a lot of people it's more than just a spiritual issue mm. like there's also something else going on mm-hmm. and it can be both and it can be one or the other but I think we too readily only think of it as a trust issue and ignore everything else. So Karen, you kind of mentioned this in your last answer, but this has been a lifelong battle for you. And so tell us a little bit more just what your story looks like with fear and anxiety and how that has weaved into the lifelong battle. Hmm. Yeah, I wish it was somebody else's battle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it started really young. Uh, Some of my earliest memories, and I have a terrible memory, but some of my earliest memories are from me, like entering into the new school year in elementary school Mm -hmm. and having anxiety the week leading up because I was walking into a new classroom with new people and a new teacher and didn't know how to cope with that well uh just walking through school like I was always great at the academic things but anything that was social or sports related lord help me (laughs) caused a ton of anxiety uh kept getting older and even going off to college like I'm 18 right I'm an adult quote unquote and that was one of the most stressful events Mm. of my life because Mm. it was so much change and Mm. I didn't know what it was going to be like and went into nursing school and all of a sudden I was told I was in charge of people's lives and was like I don't think you should trust me with that and that caused a lot of anxiety and even now like I'm about to turn 30 and that has not gone away it's not something Mm. that I've just learned oh I trust God with that and now I'm not anxious anymore like it has been a constant battle Um, And just for people listening out there, it's just helpful to know my anxiety presents in two different ways. So one is really related to the future and the unknown. And uh, I'm a planner. And when I can't plan or I can't see the future, which hint, hint, is never. (laughs) (laughs) I get really anxious Mm -hmm. about that. And then the second way that it presents itself is through social anxiety. And that's actually, it's not something that I've talked about a whole lot with people just because I fear... (laughs) 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 Notice how I said fear, Uh, a lack of understanding, Um, but it's any environment that's a big crowd, it is so difficult for me, Um, and so that looks like uh, even church on Sundays, because we go to a big church, I've had to learn how to go to church Mm. because it's such a giant crowd, or ministry events that I'm helping run which is insane. Like I get anxious going to those to even the smaller, like, Oh, there's only 25 people there. And it's just a social mingling Mm -hmm. event. Like I get sick before I walk into environments like that, like physically ill to like sick to my stomach, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. But well, it's not crazy. And that I like, am like Karen's greatest defender because I'm (laughs) obsessed with her. But (laughs) I, what I want, what I do want to say is I remember as our friendship grew, one of the first times that I heard about, you know, as a staff, we have a Christmas staff party in December. And then in January, we go away on retreat for a few days where we're with, you know, all 200 people of our staff. And it's like my puppy dream, which is like just <laughs> let's do camp. And I'm going to have deep conversations with every single person I come in contact with and get all up in their business. And I remember you saying, like starting in November, how it was the hardest time Mm -hmm. of the year for you. And so to your point about people not understanding, like I I would have put myself in that category of when I first heard it, I was like, what, (laughs) you know, but the more I gotten to know you and the more I learned and listened, 
it has been of such benefit to me because you're not the only one. You just mm. might be the only one that I know that's talking about it. Yeah. But you are not the only person on our staff in this body who those types of situations are unnerving. So I just want to commend you and say it has been of such great benefit to me to learn hey, not everybody thinks the same way that you do. And you're probably going to end up learning more from people who think differently than you do from the people who are like right on par mm -hmm. with you and thinking the same way. Yeah. And that's that's even helpful. So again, thank you to hear <laughs> because the more I talk about it, the more I realize I'm not alone in it. And it's so funny because most people join our staff because of those things. So we have so much fun as a staff. We play games. We're all in. It's a camp culture. And the funny thing is, and I say this with the greatest appreciation for our leadership here at church is I'm on staff in spite of those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like those are some of the most growing, stretching moments for me that I experience working on this team. Right. For other people, it's what they look forward to most. Mm. And, so and different. those types of people could never sit in a room for seven hours and crank out one of the best Bible studies I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think it's it's so good learning how different people are wired that they're going to provide different amounts of giftedness mm -hmm. in this too. Mm. And I want to go back. You were kind of listing out things in your, in your seasons of life. Karen, you're in a relationship right now. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> and the Lord's chosen that venue as well to show you his control and for you to continue to give up. Can you tell people just a little bit about, mm. I know I make you talk about that, but <laughs> Good. I, I just think only you, only like I giggle at the Lord because I'm yeah. like, of course the Lord would make you go through the most crazy up and down relationship yeah. to display his glory and his faithfulness in yeah, your life. Golly. And you always hear like, oh, relationships are so sanctified. And I'm like, I was not expecting this. So uh, yeah, I've been dating a guy for the last been over a year now which is crazy um and the funny thing about him is that he is from another country mm -hmm. he's from australia mm. and is not terribly interested in staying in the u.s mm. and it's really funny to i don't know just think about our relationship because i like characterize myself as somebody who doesn't like change doesn't like different doesn't like out of the ordinary like consistency stability like I crave those things and then an Australian boy walks through the door mm. ruins my life mm. <laughs> no <That> his accent <laughs> that sounded Irish I think you need to that's work my, on it that's my default <laughs> <laughs> no he didn't ruin my life he's made it much better um but it has been gosh just such a learning season of I've said my whole life um from the time that I accepted Christ at a young age like, God, where you call me, I will go. And then I was presented with this. Mm. And it changed everything. Of Hey, I've said that my whole life, but how deeply do I believe that? Mm. And do I trust that no matter where I go, that you will be enough, mm. God? Because this guy will never be enough. The relationships I build there will never be enough. My family, my support system here will never be enough. So God... Are you enough for somebody who doesn't like change, mm -hmm. who doesn't like something different? Like I've said it, it's time to test it out. That's so good. It's so good. And so hearing just all the different ways that you've walked through fear and anxiety, whether it's in school, it's in work, relationship, just seeing how much you have grown and how you cling to the Lord and all of that. There's obviously been 
a process, a journey, a learning opportunity for you. And so I want to know what are some of the things that you've been able to do that have helped you bring your fear and anxiety to the Lord? And how have you framed all of this through the lens of God's word? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I think growing up in the church, especially, and it's some of what we talked about at the beginning, some of these stigmas of, hey, when you're taught about fear and anxiety in the church, like, what's the message that you're getting? And often it's trust God more, or you're getting a Philippians 4, like, Mm -hmm. do not be anxious. The scripture band-aid? Yep, that's what I call them, scripture band-aids. Of like, here, I'm going to take this piece of scripture, and I'm going to put it over this gaping wound, Uh and we're just going to see what happens. And I'm sitting there being like, I'm bleeding out. Don't (laughs) tell me not to be anxious. (laughs) Like, And so I've had to learn Um, mostly just through my own experiences and through walking with other people who've had anxiety of like, okay, I hear that. I understand what the scripture says, like, do not be anxious. But what do I do when I'm already anxious? Right. Like I'm currently anxious. I'm in a moment of fear. Um, so how do I cope with that? And the Lord has really taught me that it's not just a command of do not fear, do not be anxious or people telling you, Hey, that's some most often like command in scripture is to not be afraid. I'm like, that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned to seek God's character in the midst of Mm -hmm. my anxiety. And that looks really different. Mm -hmm. I can really relate to that. So after babies, um, my body kind of got destroyed and my hormones went way, way off and berserk. And for the most of my life, I would describe myself as like glass half full, but not even half full. Like, is it maybe like a little more than half full? Like I was like grotesquely optimistic. (laughs) And it all of a sudden I went through this 18 month season of really deep depression. And the way I described it to people, like with what you're saying, I was crying out to the Lord because before I, embarrassingly, I would put myself in that camp of people, probably Karen, that was like, just trust God. I was kind of spiritually bypassing your struggle by, mm. by well-intentioned means of going, well, this is what scripture says. So surely that's what it means. Right. Yeah. And what this time in the season taught me is the way I described it to people. It was like, I was drowning and I was so willing to like fight harder or believe better, but I couldn't, I couldn't see and I couldn't breathe. And so what I kept asking of the Lord is like, man, Lord, I am willing to swim to shore. Mm but I can't see it right now. And so for that season, for me in that crying out, what ended up being able to get my head above water so I could see shore was medication. And so in, in being able to do that, I was able to go, okay, the shoreline's east. I'm going to swim as hard as I can east now. And every once in a while having to like pop back up and course correct. But that's what I see so much in the struggle. And not everybody approaches their struggle like that. And I surely know that we can take advantage of of medicine Mm, and things like that but I also know that there's a lot of believers that are out there going Lord I have to remember your character in the midst of this because I didn't even really know how to fight because Mm -hmm. I was never affronted with that struggle before and so what I love that you're saying is you didn't just pick up a concordance and look up anxious or hope or do not fear. You really delved into scripture. And what we know about you is you love God's word. So were there specific passages that really mm-hmm. spoke to you or things that you clung to? Oh, yeah. Like there's people like believers that you will encounter who are like, I read the whole Bible this year. And I'm like, I spent time in two passages. <laughs> In the last 365 over days. And over yeah. and over and over. And so I I sit in stories in scripture, and that's 
one of the things that I found to be most helpful. And so even just you asking me, hey, there are passages. I can think of four that I spent. Let's do it. Months. I want to know them. Yeah. Months in. Um, and some of that just like, hey, repetition is a good thing. And so for all you studying your Bible out there, don't feel like you just have to get through it. Like mm. soak it in. Mm. And not that reading the whole Bible in a year is bad. That is not what I'm saying. But feel the freedom to sit in a passage for a while. Yes. Um, and so I approached it with that that question or that um, prompting of, hey, what, who is God in the midst of my anxiety? Like, what is his character in the midst of my fear um, versus just a command to tell me to not be anxious? So the first story um, that I spent truly months in was First Kings 18 and 19. And so mm. that's the story of the prophet Elijah. And he just defeats the prophets of Baal. I don't know if y'all remember the story. There's 400 prophets of Baal. He's like taunting them. Hey, tell your your God to make fire and we'll have this competition. And Yahweh God like shows up big. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you douse some water on that yeah. altar, Elijah? <laughs> yeah. So Elijah builds this altar and he dumps water on it. He's like, you want to see how big my God is? Just watch this. And God brings down fire from heaven. And so Elijah experiences this great success, right? He just watched this radical demonstration of God's faithfulness. He should be all set, right? Right. Yes, everything should be perfect. No more doubting. None. And then he gets really scared of a scary woman called Jezebel, and he runs into the wilderness, like legit runs into the wilderness with his anxiety. And I'm sitting there thinking, ooh, God's going to be mad at him because he's anxious and he just saw how faithful he was and Elijah runs into the wilderness and God puts him to sleep mm-hmm. and he wakes him up and he lets him eat some food and then he puts him back to sleep and he lets him rest and then he wakes him up and prepares him for this journey of 40 days to a mountain and God in that moment cares for his physical needs he isn't mad he isn't reprimanding him he isn't correcting him He's still being faithful. It just looks really different than what he just did for all of those prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's being faithful and caring for the person that he loves. He's not mad mm-hmm. at Elijah. He's not mad at me and my anxiety. He already knows about it. Mm-hmm. He's not surprised by it. He wasn't surprised by Elijah running into the wilderness. He's not surprised by mine either. And the interesting thing is Elijah takes a 40-day journey then to a mountain where God reveals himself. Again, because he just brought down fire from heaven. And the funny thing is, is that God doesn't reveal himself in the thunder or in the wind. He reveals himself in a whisper. Mm. And he shows up the way that Elijah needs to hear him. At the time. Like he just spent time, like Callie was saying, feeding him, helping him get rest, helping him get to a spot where he can hear and see the shore and hear the direction of like, go this way yeah and respond to it and he's not mad and so like for all of you out there who are struggling with anxiety god is not mad at you Mm -hmm. he loves you deeply in the midst of it and he just wants to care for you Mm -hmm. that's all he wants Mm -hmm. and so that story i just again first kings 18 and 19 it radically changed my understanding of who god was in the midst of my anxiety he is compassionate and he's caring even in moments where he doesn't want me to be afraid but the reason he doesn't want me to be afraid is because he's a big god and he can handle it um we move forward a little bit and 
um, John, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. <laughs> and then you get to John 11, which is the story of Lazarus, God, or Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's just the best story. So just, mm-hmm. just read it mm-hmm. for like six months like I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lazarus has died. And Jesus is interacting with Mary and Martha. And they're, understandably, they've just lost their brother. And they're weeping. They are weeping in grief. Um, gosh, in that, in that moment, Jesus comes up to them and it says he sees them and is moved with compassion. And we know this verse because everybody's like, oh, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It says <laughs> Jesus wept. But like, take a moment and think about that. Mm-hmm. Like in the midst of Mary and Martha's greatest pain, the God of the universe, the creator of the world, sat next to him and cried with him. Yeah. Wept. Like, not even just, like, the single tear. Wept. And so, in a moment of crisis where these women are going, what do we do now? Like, our expectation has been completely ripped away from us. Like, I don't know what to do. Jesus weeps with them. I love that, too, because he's not so quickly concerned with fixing it. No. You know, like he he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And man, that that preaches to me for my children, too. Like when I feel their woe or their cries and I like if someone's rude to them or whatever, I know I can fix it with like, let's get ice cream or whatever. But but really what I can do in that moment is forbear with them. Mm -hmm. And that can be so much more powerful and what our God, who is very God of very God, but also fully man, yeah. does for us. He doesn't bypass our pain. He he sits in our pain. He sits in the feeling with yeah. us. And so in that moment where you're feeling anxious, like Jesus is sitting with you. Yeah. He is next to you. Mm-hmm. And the things that are making you weep, they grieve him too. Mm-hmm. Like that is who our God is in the midst of our anxiety. Compassionate, caring, the same one that we saw from Elijah's story in First Kings. So John 11 has been monumental. Another one is Mark 4. It's a passage a lot of us are familiar with. Um, Jesus is with the disciples, and it's when he calms the storm. But the crazy thing is, is that Jesus tells the disciples, we should go to the other side of the water. Like, we should we should go across the lake. <laughs> Wrestle with that for a minute. Like, he knew. Yeah. He's... He's omniscient, like knows all things, God. And then he goes to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Then they get in a boat. He falls asleep. Mm -hmm. And the disciples are watching buckets of rain come into their boat. And the waves are threatening to overtake them. They're going to sink. And they're screaming. They're screaming because Jesus is literally asleep on a cushion saying, (laughs) we're perishing. Do you not care? Mm -hmm. And Jesus wakes up. And the best part is he doesn't even address them yet. He wakes up. He speaks, peace be still. The waves and the wind listen to his voice, and then he addresses them. And he says, why are you so afraid? Mm. Have you still no faith? Gosh, that's who my God is in the midst Mm. of my anxiety, in the midst of when I'm screaming, God, do you not care because I am perishing? Mm. I'm perishing. I'm dying. I swear I am. (laughs) And he is all-powerful God who the wind and the waves listen Mm. to his voice. They obey. And that question has resonated with me. And so when I'm stuck in cycles of thoughts that are spiraling, because that's typically how anxiety works is your thoughts just spiral, I pause and ask myself that question. Why are you so so afraid? Mm -hmm. Have you still no faith? 
Because hmm. the reality is my life has evidenced God, God's faithfulness. The scriptures evidence God, God's faithfulness. And I, so I can pause in that moment and be like, you're right. I don't need to be afraid. My mm-hmm. God is the one who controls the weather. Mm-hmm. Like he can handle this situation. And then most recently I've spent a lot of time in Psalm 130 and Psalm 131 um, in a season of COVID and a season of really hard relationships uh, in my community of women that I have here at Watermark and in the midst of this relationship gosh I just <laughs> I've spent so much time in those and Psalm 131 is really interesting because the psalmist mm-hmm. is is talking and he says I have calmed and quieted my soul mm. he says I I have calmed and quieted my soul and so in the midst of looking at God's character in my anxiety knowing that he is compassionate He does care about my feelings. He's not trying to just immediately fix something. He is all powerful. There is still something I can do. I have calmed and quieted my soul. And so I've just had to learn to to pause, to think on Psalm 131, to replay that that verse in my head. I've calmed and quieted my soul and breathe and realize like I can trust in God's character because of those things, but I also have a role. And I think that's such a sweet passage to to kind of end on that with. Man, the first three so clearly talk about the characteristics of God the Father and God the Son, of who he is in the midst of our anxiety and our fear and how we can inform ourselves of that truth of like, hey, here's who he is today and here's the truth that I can rely on. And in the Psalm 131, this is the responsibility that I can take today. Like there is something that I can do even when I'm feeling hopeless or overwhelmed and I'm just, I don't know what to do next. And so for someone who's hearing this today, they're struggling with fear and anxiety, whether it's something that's been a lifelong battle, it's something that they've shared before, something that they haven't, that this can be really overwhelming. And so what are some more small steps of faithfulness that Mm. women can take today? That's good. Um, A few come to mind. So first, it's advice because I did it and it was helpful. So (laughs) hopefully it's helpful to you. Yeah. I mean, I just, like I just shared with y'all, I spent time in the stories of scripture mm-hmm. um, because even just reading stories that recount who Jesus was and how he interacted with people was refreshing to my soul to be reminded of who he is and how he looks at people who are sinful and broken. And so spend time in the gospels and read about your king mm-hmm. because he's really nice. I he's swear really nice. <laughs> he is. Um, so that's one next um to just start praying honestly i had to learn to not fix myself up for the lord yes um having an expectation maybe y'all can relate of like oh he wants me to be cleaned up totally he wants me to be better and that's not who my god is Mm -hmm. and so to learn to pray to him honestly if you were to look through my journals you'd be like this girl works on a church staff like whoa (laughs) what (laughs) But I had to get real with the Lord of just like, God, this hurts or this is a missed expectation or I'm terrified about this. Mm -hmm. These are the reasons why here are the lies that I'm believing. Like I just had to start pouring out my feelings to God and learn to cry with him Mm because I had never done that. I could do that with other people, but I couldn't sit with the Lord and weep with him. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn how to do that through prayer. Um, And then lastly, just gosh, it seems so simple, but remind yourself of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, The truth that Jesus is the son of God who came to earth and died on a cross and rose from the grave three days later to save you. 
to save you mm-hmm. because he loves you and because he cares for you. And because of that, there's nothing that you have to do to earn anything, to be anybody. Like there's nothing you have to prove. God knows exactly who you are and he did it for you anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I have a friend here on staff, Nathan, who says when you rightly understand the gospel, you just relax. And mm-hmm. to somebody who struggles with anxiety, that is a really helpful phrase sounds, to dwell on. So nice. Well, and what's so neat about that is I go back to that Psalm 131 and that very next verse says, after it says, I've calmed and quieted my soul, it says like a weaned child with its mother. Mm-hmm. And for for those of you breastfeeding moms out there, weaned <laughs> means they're not breastfeeding anymore. Mm. And so the beauty to me of that scripture is I no longer have to have your sustenance for my life, but I want it anyway. Mm. Like, that's and good. that's what I think about with what you're saying is like, like a weaned child still comes and rests against its mother mm-hmm. because he knows that in that place is a source of comfort. And that is where we can relax in the same way, like the arms of the father even as we grow and even as prayerfully, maybe we don't mm. ever get rid of our thorns, but we walk through them and we gain victory over them. We still know that the safest place for us to lean back is in That's so to him and in his arms. Man, the, like he's the giver of life. Of yeah. course, there's safety there. Mm. Yes. Like, of course, there's safety there. That's so good. And so I think Kyle, my last question for you would be for the precious Callies of the world pre-depression <laughs> the, <laughs> ones, the ones that wanted to mm. put a band-aid on your gaping wound the ones that maybe um haven't gone through this or you know just have struggles in different areas because we all struggle right what advice would you give to women out there who are listening going man I just I cannot relate to that but I have a Karen in my life that I want to love well what would you say to them it's good there's <laughs> simple things honestly mm-hmm. one just stay with them in it like resist the urge to try and fix it and just like jesus he sat and wept with mary and martha like weep with your friend even if you can't understand the pain even if you can't understand the anxiety even if your thoughts don't spiral in that same way just sit with them sometimes presence is much more important than something that you have to say so true um and then next just be careful with what you do say i know that sounds a little harsh but yeah, just maybe not some of those scripture band-aids for your friends. Mm-hmm. The, it's like, don't think of pink elephants. Like, that's mm-hmm. all they're thinking of. And so when you say, don't be anxious, like in a moment where I'm already anxious, like that is not necessarily the most helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just pray for them. Like, we have a God who uh, listens, which is astonishing when you think about it Mm -hmm. and so intercede for your friends lift them up to the king on high because he's the only one who can actually help them um your presence and then yeah just the work of the father and sometimes i have to remind myself and sometimes other friends of the highest honor it is to intercede on behalf of someone through prayer like we have a relationship with the lord through christ that we get to be in his presence and we get to converse with him And we could ask him for anything in this world, anything we could want. And for a time and a season, we choose to ask for comfort for our friend or Mm -hmm. for peace or for them to find rest in the gospel or for them to get a good night's sleep. Like knowing, hey, I could ask him for anything and I'm going to love you enough to go to him on your behalf. Mm. Like what an honor that is. And sometimes I think we just forget that. I have to remind myself of that 
all the time. We like downplay prayer for some reason, which is crazy. It is. And I think ultimately what a relief to the friend who doesn't understand that the God of all comfort doesn't ask for you to understand what your friend is going through in order to minister to your friend Mm -hmm. in what they're going through. Because God is the one who's declared himself the one who is the comforter. Mm -hmm. And so all that we have to offer is just that, that heartbeat, that presence of like, I'm with you and you're not alone. Now, granted, I think it goes without saying, but that, that doesn't mean that you don't let a friend, you know, move forward into oblivion without calling them out of Mm -hmm. it. Right. So if we, we can go too far into darkness sometimes that we might want to hurt ourselves. And I think there's times absolutely when it is time to call someone out of darkness and into light. And there's times when it's time to just sit in that gray with them. And the beautiful thing about the Holy spirit is he's our teacher Mm -hmm. and he's going to let you know which season and which opportunity is Mm going to be whether you turn right or you turn left. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's so good because community is such a big piece of this. And I d- if I didn't mention that, like it would be such a miss because my community of women here know these things about me. Mm. I confess when I'm feeling anxious. I tell them what scriptures I'm turning to. In the meantime, they're the ones who point me back to truth. And so anxiety is not a battle that you fight by yourself. Yes, You link arms with other people, with other Christ followers to bring them into those spaces because even if they don't understand, everybody struggles. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they can help let them and in, in bring them into the battle. That is so good. I think every single sin that might feel somewhat taboo, Satan is just going to hone in and trying to isolate us in it and make oh, yeah. us feel like we're alone and like we're the only people in the world who struggle right. with it. And so... Man, I just feel impressed by the Lord that, guys, if if you're listening today and there's something that you're buying that lie in, that you feel like, man, if anybody ever knew, one, I wouldn't be understood or I would be misinterpreted or I would be judged, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And the Lord wants you to live free and the Lord wants you to live unburdened by your sin. Um, my mom said this to me a while ago. She, she said, you can't be uplifted if you are not first unburdened. Mm-hmm. And so, Tawny. man, if there's something <laughs> that is burdening you today, just lay it down. Um, if there's a way that you could reach out to us, we would love to be able to help walk you through that in a lot of different ways. But Karen, we love you. We're so grateful for you and for your transparency and authenticity. So thanks for being on the show today. Man, thanks for having me. We love you. You're always welcome here. <laughs> Y'all are so great. <laughs> I'm just going to come hang out in the background for the next one. We'll take <laughs> Perfect. Any day. Any day. Well, ladies, that's all we have time for today. If you want to learn more about The Collective, you can visit our website at watermark.org slash collective and be sure to follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. Make sure to share this episode with someone you know who needs to hear this today, whether they're currently struggling with fear and anxiety, they know someone or have a friend in their life that is or just wants to be encouraged by the story of God's faithfulness to care for our dear friend Karen today. Uh, We're so thankful that you got to join us today. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at thecollective at watermark.org. And if you have any prayer requests, we would love to hear those as well. We'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast.